So you guys will know who we are. I'm Rini McGregor. Um, I'm, I'm Chris Hendy, obviously, guys. So um, today we are doing our second live Train Brave podcast, and it's all very exciting. Um, and as I said, we're going to just, I'm going to start with a couple of things that have come up for me this week, mainly in a work um a work situation. I'm not going to talk about my personal life again. I think I earlier monopolized the conversation last time on how crap I was feeling. So we're not going to talk about that today. Um, but from a work perspective, there's a few things that have come up for me that Chris and I have discussed. And then you felt that you've also seen similar things and had similar conversations with clients. And so we'll start with that. And just to kind of open the, the floor and then we've got questions coming in. So that's amazing. And we'll start answering those as well. But I guess one of the things that I have really had to deal with a lot of this week, I have had loads and loads and loads of emails. Um, obviously, I love hearing from you all and um, I try and answer them as quickly as I can, but you have to appreciate I'm also still running a clinic at the same time. Um, and so it's been really difficult to keep on top of them, but a lot of emails that have been coming through have all had the same um, story, really, which is individuals who have been trying to get their period back or who have got their period back and really struggling with I guess the changes to their physique alongside it um, and it's a really really complicated uh, discussion I guess because a lot of it will go back to sort of perceptions of yourself and your body image and and why that's important to you um, <clears throat> but I think the thing to the thing I want to tell you all is that in my 20 years of experience working in this field, the one thing I can hand on heart say is that every female I have worked with has got their periods back eventually when their body has felt like it's the right time for their periods to come back. Now, what that means is that stress, physical and mental stress. Is, is decreased and the body no longer sees that as a threat, but also that actually sometimes you have to accept that your body may not want to be the perceived ideal you see it should be. And I know that's really, really hard to get your head around because we're sort of seeing images every single day on social media from PTs, from influencers, from, from many people you know, who are promoting being healthy, you know, whether it's through running, or whether it's through their, um, whether it's through their, their, their sporting activity or through their plates and plates of food that they might put in front of you, whatever it might be. But remember, and, and it's hard for me because I was like, I'm not gonna give away stuff. I know a lot of these individuals and a lot of them are not having periods. So they may, may promote this image that you can look like this and be healthy, but behind the scenes, that's not what's going on. And so I guess my message to you guys is, is again, remembering that social media is one very small part of someone's life and it's not always the true picture. Chris, do you want to add anything to that? Because I know you've had similar discussions this week with people. Yeah, it's the ability to kind of filter the not sure, not sure if I have to swear on a podcast, but it's just, you know, filter the bullshit um, in terms of like, you know, all of you are mature, you know, educated people. You know, when you, what you see is not always what the truth is. And I think we all know that in Insta, in Insta world and in social media world and a lot of trainers out there I know and women and men who are not healthy individuals. I know, you know, like from working with, well, they're working. Some of them we know that are uh, from working with Rini and myself. Um, you know, they've, they've all got their struggles, but unfortunately they are perceiving themselves, you know, they're, they're showing their communities that they can withstand certain amount of exercise and training and high intensity training. And, you know, they're doing their habits and their behavior isn't, isn't really reflective of what, what their true like their, their state of their health is. And obviously, unfortunately, then their followers are obviously watching what they look like and how they're performing and then going, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And why isn't it, it's not fair. And these, these sort of questions are co constantly being asked and, fact of it is it's just not real like it's not it's not you know what you're seeing is not real at all so you all of you are educated enough to kind of take a step back and go okay you know like you've got to you know you've got to think about yourselves and go you know it's not real what you're seeing so yeah it's one of those things that we, i think a lot me and Rina are seeing a lot at the moment and you all this education all this conversation that we have about this is it's that ability to be able to step back and 
see the, the picture for what it really is, the big picture, and you know, not from what we see on the screen. Yeah, and I think that I had a really interesting conversation with somebody yesterday, um, actually not about work, it, it was work, but it was more about education and it was about science and it was about um, studies and how actually, you know, generally speaking, you need to be studying something for a very long time. The, the average sort of medical science, they're looking at 17 years of follow-up to get a really good understanding of whether an intervention actually works. And so we were having this conversation because um, the person I was talking to was a medic and she was talking about how some of the studies have been put forward around epilepsy and, um, no, sorry, Alzheimer's, not epilepsy, Alzheimer's, and how particularly women should be on a more higher fat, low carb diet, because that's what they have been um, investigating. But the follow up so far has only been 12 months. And they've made these very, very broad statements about um, how women should be eating if they are diagnosed with Alzheimer's um, uh, in order to prevent it. And, you know, my, my worry about that is, is that we've, we've all been there when we've heard the low carb, high fat um, argument, even like, it's probably been around for maybe six or seven years now. Um, and, you know, what I find fascinating is that I'm definitely seeing more and more and more people, men and women, not just women, but men and women who are coming into clinic, who have been following that, um, that low carb, high fat approach. And now they're starting to see the negative impact it's having on their health you know, from, from amenorrhea in women to low testosterone in men to immune function issues, you know, so it's correct more autoimmune type responses. And, and this is the problem because nobody has studied it for beyond two years. Like if you look at all the studies on low carb, high fat, the intervention is two years. And so that's not long enough. And I think the other thing was when I was out this morning, um, I was thinking about, cause you know, how my brain works. I was thinking about stuff and um i was thinking about studies and i was like in some ways it's really really hard isn't it it's really hard to have objective studies on human beings because we are all different and i was thinking about our conversations that we were going to have this morning and around this whole like when should you get your period and what weight should you be and, and what does it look like and, and all this kind of stuff because i knew these conversations were going to come up today we're all different and that's the thing. Why, why are we all trying to achieve this one ideal when actually we're all different? Like genetically, we're all different. Our physiology is going to be different. You can impact your physiology and your metabolism through your life and, and what you choose to do with your life. So like it's, it's really important to understand that there is no one size fits all. Although we have a process, particularly when I'm helping women get their period back and, and we do get really good outcome, um, it isn't a one size fits all, which is why when I get messages on Instagram with people going, please, can you help me? Can you tell me that I can't because I, I can't, you know, you're all different and I need to be able to know your history before I can start to um, give you any advice about what's right for you. Because for some women, it's all about their training load. For other women, it is a weight thing and it's a genetic thing. For other women, it could be about the composition of their diet. And for others, it's also mental stress. So we have to realize that everybody is different. So there isn't a one size fits all. And I guess that's why you have to be so careful about the messages that come out on social media. We often talk about timeline. Now, obviously, you know, like how, like how when someone comes into like into the studio or the clinic and they talk about you know they want they want these results they want quick results but some you know everyone has a different timeline don't they a different background and if, if you've been living a certain way for decades plus and obviously i think we've had I think I've got a couple of questions here about being on the pill for 10 years plus and then you're wanting results within six months like your body has been in a certain state for a very 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 long time and so that's become the new, you know, this is a new state, a new sort of homeostasis, levels of homeostasis. So you can't expect immediate changes. It's like when someone comes in, they want to lose weight or they want to get stronger or they want to get faster, but they've done nothing for 20 years. So I mean, sat behind a desk and they want instant results within six, 12. And this is where like, obviously in the training world, people are, 
getting pulled in by these kind of big, you know, these people saying they can change it within six weeks, but those changes don't last because they're so dramatic or they're so forced that people's habits just fall back into place and they gain that weight or they lose that um, fitness. Same kind of thing mindset where you have that longevity, you know, how long is that individual's timeline? So everyone's so different. And I know from my personal experience, Holly being on, you know, obviously with 10 years of being on the pill, like we just kind of expected that instant, you know, come off the pill, boom, off we go. We're, we're in a rolling. Three years later, you know, we're still kind of, we're still trying to work out what like less training looked like, you know, reduced training and improving off, you know, fueling, fueling. So, you know, like it, everyone is so different. It's so different. And you're, you're right. But I think what you've got to remember is this, this, you know, this timeline, 20 years on this planet or 30 years on this planet. And if you spent the like 15, first 15 or 15 years as a woman, suppressing things with a pill and then you want those changes within six months you know like you're asking a lot of your body to change is would that be fair 100 percent. and and you know one thing to say particularly i mean i know not you're not all affected by eating disorders and i don't want to generalize but one of the things that we've learned from from looking at people with eating disorders and recovering from eating disorders and i mean all types of eating disorders not just anorexia because i think people always associate restrictive eating but i'm talking about everything from binge eating to even you know overeating and and um and bulimia and everything is that they all affect your metabolism because they're all kind of you're, you're basically punishing your body right you're treating your body really badly so they all affect your metabolism and so we know that it, it it's usually a minimum and i am saying minimum of a year before your body's metabolism can really, really return back to normal. Um, once you have regulated your eating and kind of provided your body with a consistent approach so that it knows that the threat of starvation is no longer present. I know from my own personal recovery, which was a long time ago, but I, and I, I had no one giving me this information. And I always, Sounds ridiculous, but I kind of wish I'd had a Rini who was telling me all this stuff because I think I would have um, not suffered quite as much. But with my own recovery, it took, I'd say, probably two years before I fully, really was able to know that I was okay from a food point of view, in the sense that it took a year for me to regulate my eating definitely and then it took another year of kind of sticking to a formula that I knew worked um, before I started to appreciate that I could maybe start to trust my hunger cues myself and so it was it was a gradual gradual process um, and I think that's the thing is as you said Chris everybody wants instant results everybody wants to feel better immediately and that's why we go in search of it on, on um, Instagram right and now, sorry, and then the danger, obviously, be really aware, like people who are on the ground, like Reedy, who's frontline and myself, you're kind of, we're not being, we're not kind of sugarcoating it. Like it's going to take time, like everything takes time. And if you want results, it's going to take time. You want to make a change, it's going to take time. Like people out there will try and lure you in with these kind of what quick fixes by taking this or doing this or changing that. A lot of the time it's multiple, it's not just one habit, it's going to be multiple habits within your lifestyle. And I think that's one of the hardest things that we found within three, you know, three years it took us or three and a half years it took me and Polly was we thought we could just change one thing and it would be that. And it was, it was multiple variables we had to consider and change. And even then when we knew what those different variables were in terms of you know, decreasing energy output, increasing energy input kind of thing, all those different things. Was still the hardest thing was switching off or not switching off or dialing back mentally those different areas you know like all most people here probably love to train they love to you know stay active and obviously to reduce that is quite a hard thing to to do that to do that isn't it would you say Reed? yeah i think for me the, the hardest bit to help people with is usually their physical activity because Again, you have to remember, most people that we're working with probably do way more than they should be, way, way more than they should be. So to get them back to something that even resembles vaguely normal is, is quite tricky. Do you, know what, do you know what strategies, I mean, I'm just saying, but what strategies can people do? Because I know a few, a few of the people here today, like I've had these conversations with, and it's, you know, we talked about trying to take, steer your mind away from 
the sport or the activity you love to do as a few people here I, we have, you know, I know you're very good at what you do and it's, it's a passion whether it's running it's you know whatever it is it's the ability to i mean i had to steer i steered polly away by putting pushing us more towards the business helping me with you know with the business because it changed her perspective on that you know the, the obsession about being great at what she did and so like it's having that ability to be able to kind of change your focus slightly like because it's you know it's a way of not coping but trying to balance to bring, bring a bit more balance to your life because obviously if you're obsessing about one thing one area you're never going to let go of that until you find other other avenues to spread things it, yeah and if if we look at the government guidelines the government guidelines for exercise say 150 minutes a week to maintain health plus two strength sessions a week that's not an awful lot of exercise right and if you think about the majority of us we are probably doing maybe two three even four five times the amount that's been recommended to maintain health so the first thing I would be recommending is, is kind of getting a grip on the fact that actually your body needs a rest and the body needs time to appreciate that it's not going to constantly be battered by the stress of physical activity. And we do need strategies to help with that because majority of people have a difficult relationship with exercise, have it for a reason. It's usually because they want to deny themselves difficult emotions we don't like feeling uncomfortable we don't like feeling horrible emotions we don't want to feel sadness we don't want to feel not good enough we don't want to feel uncomfortable we don't want to feel lost we don't want to feel isolated we don't want to feel any of these things and so it's very easy to project it onto you but when i train i you know it's for my mental health or when i train it's it helps me to feel better because it does temporarily. It will make you feel better. Of course it will. We know that. Like we know, again, there are loads of studies that show that, you know, being physically active improves your mental health, but it is, it is to a point. And once you go beyond that point, there are also studies that prove it can become dysfunctional and negative to your mental health, which is equally as important. They can isolate you obviously, can't they? I mean, people we have been, um see every day where people become they, 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 a passion turns into an obsession and an obsession and isolates someone and then they they don't do anything else but that activity and then and then when you try to bring balance back into your life you don't have anything else on the, on the other areas to kind of bring balance or to kind of be able to taper things back and Polly again I'm going to keep using her example she was a professional so she all she did was train run bike swim and then to then strip it back and go okay well, like, let's what else you, you know like she found it very hard to fill that time when, when she was so used to training two, twice a day every day and so obviously then for me it was like right let's let's get you know let's crack on with the business like oh, I need you to do this this and this I need got emails to do do you know what I mean like so I you know you guide you guide them away from it but um that's the kind of the, that's that we need to you need to find that to help you in that journey and one of those coping strategies i would recommend is finding that other thing you know what's the other thing that you're passionate about and you know is it work is it family is it a relationship i mean you know there's so many things that should take more time that but you probably don't make time for because you train a lot yeah one thing you can do and and one thing that i found helpful with the clients i work with is just to get them to do a pie chart and work out how much time you're actually spending on all the areas of your life. So that, you know, you put your family, your work, your training, um, your social social activities, whatever it might be. Um, and I did this for myself not so long ago. And unfortunately, mine was all work, which was really sad. Um, so <laughs> I'm addressing that because we don't want that anymore. Um, but it's a really good thing to do intermittently because it does help you to kind of work out where you where you're spending your time and your energy and then you can do the one you would like to achieve and and then the, and when you can see what you would like to achieve like ideally you want to kind of get it fairly balanced right you you want to be spending an equal amount of time with everything to a certain degree although you may want to spend more time with loved ones or or, or, or maybe not i don't know maybe after lockdown everybody wants to spend time on their own i have no idea but um but i think it's a really, it's a quite an easy, it's a very visual and very easy way to change things because you can just look at it and, and go. The thing I would be mindful of, because I know what you're all like, is that we all, we do have this very obsessive personality type. So it's very easy to go from one obsession of exercise to another obsession, whether that's 
obsessing about when your period is going to come back or obsessing about work or, you know, and it's something that, that has come up for me time and time and time again. I was talking to a client yesterday and we were discussing her issues. And I said, I was talking to her about some of the things I've experienced during lockdown. And I said, you know, the thing is, fundamentally, I'm still the same person. And I've realized that I've just projected things onto different things. So in the past, yes, maybe I used food and exercise as my way of coping. But in recent years, I have thrown myself into work. And now there's not a bad thing throwing myself into work. But when it got to the point during this lockdown where I had literally not taken a day off until last Friday because I was so worried about everybody else and I was focusing on supporting others, but equally was distracting myself from discomfort I was feeling that is also not healthy so it's being it's having the awareness and I guess that's something I've definitely learned and it's you know something you and I have spoken about Chris in that I have very very good awareness of my tendencies and I have very very good awareness of my behaviors and when I start to notice that they are becoming dysfunctional I will, I will talk to someone I usually pick up the phone to you because I need someone to be accountable to and I need someone to go like yesterday, I said to you, do you think I'm doing too much? Because I don't know. I've lost sight of what too much is at the moment because it's hard when you're on your own 24-7. It's hard to work out if you're doing too much, you know? So, being, it's just being human though, Reen. Like yeah, all those things you're saying is like being human. Nothing's ever going to be a constant and consistent. Like you're always going to have these fluctuations and it's the ability to kind of see it, step outside yourself and go, okay, I'm doing too much, you know, like... And you, you just need to find, you know, all of us are always going to have times when we're going to have to keep trying to try and find balance and make time for different things. And you were going to peak and trough in different areas all the time, aren't you? And But it's having that network around you. Again, it comes back to like, don't isolate yourself. Don't just obsess on the one thing. You've got to have that stronger network. Find those, you know, people around you, you know, socially, professionally, you know, like in terms of just running, you know, running, don't run, always run on your own, you know, train, train with others. You know, it's that kind of a thing where you've got to, share because it allows you to assess yourself and we all do it we all obsess ourselves we know we're all constantly kind of working out who we want to be or how we want to be better in different areas there's nothing wrong with that like that's just how we evolve but like if you don't do that you just obsess and you put the blinkers on you're only going to end up going one direction and it's going to be down you know and it's that kind of dark place so do you want to jump on some questions? Yeah, I think so. There's loads of them, so I think oh, we should. So let's start at the top. Um, Rachel? Uh, Rachel, I think. Is that one? Yes. Do you have recommendations for a recovery drink for vegans that isn't milk-based and any vegan vegetarian books for sports nutrition? Many thanks. So the only um, plant-based sports nutrition book that I can recommend is probably Anita Beans because she's registered, she knows what she's talking about and it'll be very, very well balanced. So that's the one I'd recommend. Um, in terms of recovery drink, I mean, there's no, there's loads of different things on the market. One of my clients showed me the other day that um, for goodness shape, we brought out a soya version. So that would be probably a good option. Um, so if you don't wanna take dairy, then that would be a good option if you want something ready-made. Obviously the other option is you can buy um, some sort of vegan, uh, protein powder and then you can make that up with um, oat milk so that you get that good combination of carbs and protein that you need in the, the recovery period um, I think the key thing is is kind of like is making sure that you are getting something that's not just going to be protein based it's going to have that carbs and that protein um, those are also more milk based options I understand there is um, a new product coming out um, and it's called enhanced recovery and that is um, basically more pure pure um it's more fruit based um but it does still it's always going to have like a soya it's got something it has got protein added to it obviously to make it um nutritionally complete so um, i know and ask you what's your, what's your opinion on soya i don't have a problem with soy um i know people panic about it but actually, if you again, if you go back and look at some of the really um, the, the sort of the first groundbreaking studies around recovery from exercise, they did a lot of comparisons of milk, soya, um, soya milk, and um, pure carbohydrate. And you know, obviously, milk always came up on top in terms of 
recovery when they're looking at the biopsies of, of, of how well you recovered. Soya actually came out second and was better than just having pure carbohydrate on its own. So I don't have an issue with soya. The only time I'd be mindful of soya is if there is an, a history of um, estrogen directed breast cancer in your family, which you would know about because you, you would know about it. But otherwise, there's no reason to avoid soya at all. Um, is it Romy? Romy, hi, I was wondering what food meals that uh, are good for a vegan as athletes. I like. Uh, I feel like I'm struggling to get all my protein in and I'm a ballet dancer and I'm trying to stay strong during this quarantine. Thoughts? Okay. Quite broad. So I'm going to make a statement that none of you are going to like very much, but I am going to make it because I think it's really important. Um, it's really, really, really hard to meet your requirements as a vegan athlete or a vegan dancer. Everybody I have worked with in the last six months who has really struggled to get their periods back have generally been individuals with um, who are vegan because although it might feel like the healthy way to eat at the moment it's very very easy to displace your nutrients and you end up with a lot of fruit and vegetables which just adds to your bloating and discomfort um, but you don't always end up with the energy and the protein that you need so um just wanted to say that because I am seeing a, a basically pretty much everybody that comes into clinic at the moment is vegan or plant-based and they are not meeting their requirements. But in answer to this question particularly, um, oh God, it's really hard to give you specific meals. And um, I mean, I love beans on toast. I mean, there's nothing wrong with beans on toast, right? Like that's a really good vegan-based meal that gives you all your recommended amino acids plus your carbohydrate and your protein so it's it's a really great option if you you know as, as a as a kind of very basic simple meal um, other options obviously things like trying to combine you know like going back to my roots of like rice and dal so you know rice and lentils another good way of combining foods and getting the, the nutrients you need I guess the, the, the thing you've got to remember is that vegan diets do tend to be higher in fiber. So that's why it's so difficult sometimes to get enough energy in if you're doing a lot of training. Um, so you may need to up your intake of fats as well. So things like um, nut butters, um, trying to use, if you are using soy milk and stuff, make sure you use the whole bean options, um, trying to find, like using oil in your dressings and that kind of stuff, just to make sure you're getting enough energy as well. But yeah, the, the key thing is, um, is, is kind of it's making sure you have a balance and you're not displacing it with loads and loads of vegetables. Tofu is great for vegans. Um, quite honestly, if you do not like tofu as a vegan, you probably shouldn't be vegan because it'll be very, very difficult to get your protein requirements just through a plant-based diet alone. Can I just say, like, just echo, like, the, the hardest thing I find about it is that it requires, to be a vegan, is you've got to be quite well-educated and quite, it's quite a high-skilled diet to maintain. It's like when people talk to me about keto, and it's like I don't, I've, no, I've got no issues with anyone doing anything as long as, as long as you understand what you're you're walking into. As in, you've got to be well planned. So you've got to know you've got you know, less food groups to to play with and less ingredients to play with, and you've got a lot. It just requires a lot more skill, and a lot more planning, and more forethought. And a lot of people I work with who might shift into different areas and a different, you know, they try different diets and things. All I ever say is like research it and really understand what it looks like on a week to week, month to month basis. Like in terms of the food groups that you've got to work with, you've got to change your food, like, you know, the, the menus, you know, that the, the ingredient list that you're working with, the recipes that you're, you're used to working with, they're gonna, sh they're gonna change. It just requires a lot more skill. And a lot of people who are very passionate about veganism are potentially, they've, you know, they've done their research and they have, you know, they're very passionate about it and that's all they think about. But if you're just, you're an athlete first and then you're trying to be, a, you know, and work on that, just understand that you've got to plan ahead. Like a lot of my guys I work with, like the thing I have to, what I work with you about is making sure they've got enough, enough resources in terms of like different types of, you know, different, different, um, different plates of food. And this is, I think this is what um, Rami's struggling with right now is that variety because obviously you've suddenly limited all your options. Mm -hmm. So it just takes skill and a lot of, and a lot of research and education. You've really got to kind of educate yourself on that particular uh, way of, way of eating. Is that yeah. good? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just going to quickly say to Tina, asking about good online lecture seminar programs to learn about ED. There aren't any, um, but what I will say is that we have just started um, a mentoring program 
where we did our first sort of trial a couple of weeks ago, um, where I did some online work on, um, I basically did presentations on how to work with people with eating disorders. Um, and so we will be running some more of those. Um, so if you are interested, then you can always drop us an email and we'll keep you in the loop with that. But there isn't at the moment even formal that you can just kind of jump in on a webinar and and um, uh, and learn anything. So, uh, okay. So the next one is probably one for both of us, Chris, but uh, it's from Abby and it's, um, how do you recommend structuring training sessions while recovering from REDS? Most of my current training is strength-based, um, she's a climber, but I'm unsure whether it's more beneficial to shorten sessions, but continue training at max strength or to reduce the load to body weight and just focus on form, etc. I recently tried to reduce load, but doubled the length of my sessions to compensate, which I've seen since being told is worse. I know you guys advise against hip type training, etc. So what are your thoughts on length versus intensity of sessions? Um, do you want to jump in first or do you want me to? Uh, I would just simply really simplify it. and obviously I think from my point of view it would be kind of reducing that neurological stress on the on the, on, on your week and on your month and moving forwards so you know lengthening a session is obviously you're going to be you're increasing the volume you're going to be increasing the freak uh, the, the intensity by more reps more time so I'll be looking to keep the sessions at around that kind of 30 minute um, and I'll structure them to where, you know, that kind of strength, that strength for program format where you're looking for that, you have that required work and then required rest. So you work 60, 70%, you know, kind of those, a decent, decent, you work at a decent weight, but then obviously think about making sure you've got some adequate rest. And again, but then again, this is all going to be individualized. You know, this is going to be very much case dependent. And again, this is where the conversation with someone like Rini and then working alongside someone like myself, where you, it's, again, it's not a one size fits all kind of mindset. So I think to start with, you're obviously, you're, high intensity and increasing the stress any shape or form is a, would, be a bit, would be a bad idea you're looking to obviously you want to reduce things but you obviously want to, want to maintain some form of strength that you will you will maintain some form of strength with the body weight but i wouldn't i wouldn't be afraid to use resistance bands uh, free weights it's just making sure that you're integrating it and you're not doing too much across the week across the month and to do that you'll be wanting to measure those kind of basic biomarkers which you would have working with someone like Rini. Is that that be a good place to start with? Yeah, definitely. I think also, Abby, remember, it's not just about the training load. It's about structuring your nutrition around your training. It's um, making sure that the composition of the diet matches the, the training load. Um, but yeah, we definitely, definitely find that training load and volume is, is probably one of the, the um, I suppose one of the, the, the pivotal areas and we have to manipulate and everybody has been different. You know, some, some people I've worked with, they've been able to um, maintain training most days, but up to no more than sort of 60 minutes and, and kind of, we always say an effort of no more than six out of 10. Whereas other people have had to stop completely because that's the only way um, they've been able to recover. I think you have to also think about your mindset, like reading between the lines. Um, there's probably an element there that needs to be um, probably investigated in terms of, you know, obviously being a climber is important to you and maybe it's around your identity and that's also why you ended up in a situation of reds. And I'm, I'm speculating, I have no idea. But I think you have to be, you have to remember that sometimes we have to let go of those those behaviors that become familiar and um, comfortable to us because they're not actually healthy for us. And I think that's probably another thing to, to be mindful of. I would just, just to finish there, I would I'll probably, if I was, Abby, if, if, well, Abby, if it's your, if climbing is your passion, then climb, you know, make sure you, you know, carry on climbing to a certain degree, but strip back everything else. Like, you know, focus on making sure that you're staying strong and um, in terms of the strength program that you're following, the high intensity is just wasted energy. Like, you know, if you want to be a great climber and then focus on that and then your strength program, let's really make sure you're dialing in and working on those key areas that make you a, keep you, keep you strong, keep you a strong woman, but then obviously making sure that you're kind of working towards being a kind of a healthier, healthy woman too. Is that yeah. yeah yeah definitely definitely um jane yeah. 
or yeah. I'm not sure if it is a James, is it James? Uh, for a person with disordered eating, normally, normal BMI of 23, 24 was on the pill for 15 years now, 31 came off the pill some months ago and still no period. Um, eats to fish deficit were all well due to wanting to have loads of social eating out over the weekend in, in order to maintain weight. Um, Producer said she went, she weight trains five to six days per week before 10 minutes with her 30. Okay, all right. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. That's a detailed um, question, right? Yeah, it's quite, I mean, it's, it's basically you're asking a very personal question, which I probably can't ethically answer on the podcast because um, I don't know enough. You've given me loads of information, but actually you haven't given me enough information. So we would need to see bloods. A lot of what I will say is that I had somebody even yesterday email me saying um, they were told they had PCOS. And can I be really, really clear about how PCOS is um, uh, diagnosed? It, you need to actually have two out of three criteria for PCOS to be um, diagnosed. And what's happening is more and more, people are looking just at the ultrasound where they will see follicles because if you haven't had periods for a long time, there will be follicles waiting in the ovaries to be released. That's a normal presentation. That doesn't automatically mean you've got PCOS, but that's, the, that's, the, um, that's what a lot of medics are using to diagnose PCOS. You have to also look at bloods so a lot of people were saying like the person yesterday who emailed me was saying oh my bloods are normal if your bloods are normal you definitely don't have pcos because to have pcos you'd have to have high testosterone levels so that's something they'd have to pick up in order to diagnose pcos but it would be that plus the ultrasound that you'd that would then potentially mean that you had potentially could be diagnosed as pcos but the other things to think about with pcos is usually there is, um, often they can have acne, um, sort of hormonal acne, they may have excessive hair growth, um, and also there tends to be glucose, uh, glucose sensitivity. So PCOS is thrown around left, right, and center, but actually it's not that common, and it's very, very easy to diagnose if you follow the criteria. So if somebody doesn't have periods, um, and everything else has been excluded, then it's usually hypothalamic amenorrhea. And, uh, you know, I've kind of said this lots of times on the podcast. It's also in the new ebook. There are lots of reasons for hypothalamic amenorrhea, but usually it's, it's that imbalance between training load and energy intake, um, potentially the composition of your diet as well. And you don't always have to be a low weight, right? Um, that's something else that everybody thinks they have to be a low weight for their periods to stop. You don't because the balance could be, you know, the, the balance could be that you're just not fueling your body enough for the work that you're doing. And the work that you're doing includes your training, but also everything else you do. Like if you are dog walking two hours a day, plus your training, plus you have a physical job running up and down the stairs or whatever it might be, that's a lot of energy output, right? And that's really important to remember. That's something I found in lockdown has been really interesting is that clients have spoken to me about their training and then it's like oh yeah and i go on a on a family bike ride with my parents for two hours or i go on a walk with my partner for two hours on top of their training and, and they're not considering that as, as output but that is output your body will see that as movement so i'm really sorry i can't really answer that question because i don't know enough um and I would probably need to do a full assessment to get an idea of how I could help um, help you. I wish I could do more, but I can't. Sorry. No, thanks. <clears throat> well, thanks for sharing. I mean, I'll obviously keep the conversation going. Um, just, just obviously get in contact with Rini privately. Uh, Abby, uh, would you recommend using the contraceptive pill in order to get your period back? No, is the answer. Just no. Moving on. No. <laughs> Moving on. But let's just look, let's just okay. like, a science a science um, lesson. The contraceptive pill is a contraception. It's contraceptive, so it means it's going to stop your periods. How can it bring your periods back? I would I would I would challenge anybody 
who would say that because we know the contraceptive pill stops your period it prevents ovulation so it is definitely not going to restart ovulation so no you should definitely 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 and if someone says that to you challenge them back with just what i've said because they will probably not have an answer um the their, their response will be oh but it will increase your your hormonal levels no it won't um, it's going to give you a little bit of estrogen, but it's also synthetic estrogen. If you are worried about not having periods for a very long period of time and it's affected your bone health and you're concerned about your bone health, which you quite rightly should be, um, then what is actually recommended by the endocrine society is using hormone replacement therapy. And you'd have to go via an endocrinologist or your GP to get that sorted. Um, I can't prescribe that. I can advise, but I can't prescribe so, um, so no, please don't go on the pill to get your period back because it won't work. Um, just scrolling, <coughs> just scrolling through there. We've got um, some nice comments. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you for the lovely comments. <laughs> um, uh, we're trying to just get through. Um, I experienced post pill amenorrhea. Can I just say that's not a thing? post pill amenorrhea it shouldn't be a thing you shouldn't have post pill amenorrhea i know a lot of people do but it's not a thing um doctors didn't do anything except put me on a period inducing pill the hrt for three months but the period didn't persist after it okay so again that that looks like something that needs to be investigated because there's obviously the balance is not there um so it's probably looking at again sometimes we have to honestly look at ourselves and and might not necessarily want to accept that we're doing too much or that we're not eating sufficiently um, or that we have very set beliefs around food that are preventing us from letting go of, of what we need to do so um, that's just something to um to consider should people exercise when recovering from an eating disorder uh that's, that's quite a, a broad question. Um, there's, there's different approaches to this. I generally, generally do not, um, I try not to stop people from training completely. However, um, it does depend. If you have somebody who is coming into clinic, who is incredibly underweight, and or has already had issues with injuries and stress fractures and or i can see has an exercise dependency because not everybody does then the answer is i would probably stop the exercise element of it because that individual needs to learn to be able to find new strategies to cope with the difficult emotions that they're dealing with um, if somebody it has kind of gone through recovery or is going through recovery and weight is restoring, then um, we do want to encourage them to have some sort of um, physical activity because it's good for your mental health, but it's also good for your body and body composition and, and everything else. But again, it would have to be done under supervision. This is where I bring um, Chris in because I think you need to be really under supervision if you are somebody recovering from eating disorder and wanting to do exercise because it's too easy to go back to those obsessive and um, overtraining mentality very, very quickly. It's one of the reasons I have, Chris, because I know I have a tendency to overtrain. So I can, if I have somebody who's accountable, like often people have coaches to help them manage their training load and, and work through like you know, building up and anything. I have a coach because I need someone to be accountable to who's going to say, Rini, you've traveled four days this week. Why are you trying to now fit 50 miles in over the weekend? Like I need someone to be accountable to, to, to help me with that. So personally, um, it, again, it's, it's a very individual answer. So um, I don't know, Chris, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, I think it's having that multidisciplinary team. Like, you know, it shouldn't be... Um, it's never it's never nice to hear it from one person anyway and it's they shouldn't ever come down to one person to say yes or no to someone's whether should, someone you know should stop training it and it's always it's easier to coming from a team so we've got a few people that we've done that with where you know like we've got to a point where the bloods and except you know everything's you know 
made us to a certain degree discuss this and realize that we had need to reduce things we've done it as a team and you know like the ability to have someone a team around you to be to not, not control but but help you through this journey because you know, an eating disorder is a journey isn't it like it's uh, you know but it starts with baseline metrics and numbers that we work from to to de define it but then to get you back to health like it's going to take a team around you to do that and structured training having that structured approach is going to help because it's going to have that adequate rest and recovery so you know exercise is obviously very broad term you can a lot of things come underneath that but it, in terms of like the intensity the frequency the type of training exercise or training you're doing they're all they all mean something and you know, it, it to you need experienced or you need people who understand you and understand training and understand physiology to really help guide you through it. <clears throat> and it's and it's not going to be one person. I, you know, it's going to take a team around you. And, and as I said, like me and Rini work together, but there's loads of other great professionals out there that have good networks around you. And that's all you're looking for. You shouldn't be just be taking advice from one person. Like you should have, you know, you, you want that kind. You want that, um, that crossover. That crossover and that synergy between professionals that work together to, to allow you to come back so yeah it's it's a broad question but in terms of like you know structuring it and bringing it back yes you can but it, it it's it, it just needs refinement and structure to it yeah indeed um jess yes we are going to bring polly on the podcast to answer your question um we were meant we were going to do this second series was meant to be a load of interviews with different people, um, but obviously um, in our current situation, that's a little that we thought it was going to be tricky. But actually, now that we have worked out how technology works, or should I say I've worked out how technology works, um, we will definitely um, be doing that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bring Polly on probably in the next few weeks, I think, um, dependent on how George behaves. Um, but yeah, we'll bring, we'll bring her on and, and she'll talk about her story and her journey because I think it's really important. And um, Rosie, thank you for helping Jess out with, with that one. Um, I'm also going to just bring in Christina because um, I think Christina's story is really lovely. And obviously, yes, I mean, it does highlight the fact that we helped her. But, um, but yeah, with Christina, she was re I hope she doesn't mind, but it was really interesting because Christina's bloods were almost, almost, almost normal on several occasions. And it was almost like she was almost there, but nothing quite happened. And every time we spoke, it was usually because she was probably just about to get her, you know, her hormones were going to kick in and she's going to get her period. And then she'd start running or she'd start something physical and that would change. Um, that would immediately push the hormones back down. And I guess that's the thing to remember is that the body is incredibly sensitive um, at this, these early stages, which is why we say it can take a year. You know, your body needs that year for, to be regulated in order for periods to kind of fully really get back into the flow of things. Um, but what's really nice here is Christina said, um, uh, I keep being amazed by the progress I'm still making in behaviors and mindset. Roughly every three to four months, I have a revelation. I always think of you, Rini, talking about the changes in the brain that take so long. It is amazing. So thank you for sharing that, Christina. And uh, yeah, we are all work in progress. Remember that, like whether you're on a journey of recovery from an eating disorder or not, we're all work in progress. And, and the more um, you can look after yourself and nurture yourself, and, and I mean that physically as in, through food but also through space and you know creating the support and the teams that you need um the more you're going to learn about how you are and what makes you tick and um you know i've learned a lot about myself in these last six weeks that i thought i had sussed um but obviously didn't and uh, you know i've got a lot of people to be thankful to um, who are actually here on the podcast so i'm, I'm not going to mention names but thank you to it but you lot you know who you are who've helped me through this so um yeah we're always working through our stuff always um tess can i have plucked courage i've plucked up the courage three times over the years uh asking for help gps and the counselor but it was dismissed each time i have been using covid as a way to recover can i really uh, not manage this by myself as i have uh, as i have read heard etc or is it any way possible um, that's a really good question. I think using COVID as a way of recovery is awesome. So 
great work. Um, you can recover on your own. I did um, in terms of uh, trying to getting back on an even keel with food and weight. Um, it took, I did need to get help eventually to work out what the purpose of my eating disorder was in the first place. Um, and I think that might be, you know, that might be something you need. Maybe you can work it out yourself. I don't know, but you can um, do it yourself. But um, I think most people need a sounding board. Yeah. To some degree, whether it's a partner or, you know, someone that you, you just, I think just in any, in any of those kind of out of, out of body kind of decisions that you're trying to assess yourself and work through things, your own mind, you are very cruel to ourselves and we'll all constantly go back on things. So we've, we need that external perception and yes probably i don't know if, if uh tests you've got people around you but you know it doesn't need to be a professional perhaps because if you've but it, uh, to start with anyway but you know you need to have that perception uh somebody else from the outside looking in to just to kind of ask you those hard questions because a lot of the time it's just those uh it's the hard questions that you know none of us ask and i they're the ones i ask greenie on a regular basis and you know i expect them coming back because um to me from her as well like you know why are we doing this again or like you know these these hard questions are the things that we a lot of us avoid you know whether it's in personal life business they're generally the the sim it's a, it's a couple of simple questions that you avoid asking yourself which will actually tell you everything you need to know and what you need to work on so on your own it's a, a you know you yes i'd probably say it's doable but i'd say you're always going to benefit from uh, experienced voice someone that you respect someone that you you know like a mentor or someone yeah i have to say i didn't have a lot of input i think i probably only had six sessions with somebody to help me really work out where why i needed it why i needed my eating disorder what the purpose was and and how it impacted my life ongoing um and now i kind of i, I have yeah I, I kind of check in and out with someone um you know, it's not always about, it's not, it's never about eating. It's always about my personality more than anything else. Um, I think that's the thing to remember is that fundamentally, generally speaking, eating disorders are more about your personality type and about your perception of yourself than they are about anything else. So, you know, people often go in search of a nutritionist or a PT or someone to, to fix their, their relationship with that particular area. But actually, fundamentally, it's about what's going on within you. And it's, it's usually your method of trying to achieve some sort of purpose um, and achieve some sort of worth so um like we said it is possible but you probably do need um to get someone who can be a sounding board um, we have got loads of good questions I know, um, coming up, so. so let's go should I, not not fast paced but should we just like um so let's see if we can do a few well, not quickly but you know what i mean just a little bit so we can get a few through a few for people. Is Huel any good? Um, yeah, Huel can be really good if um, you know if you're somebody that needs if you struggle with eating, then Huel can be good because it has got um, it is a complete meal. But I think I always say you know if possible, try and use real food. Um, but it, it does have its benefits. I think you just have to be really careful because the composition of it. Um, for some people it can actually be quite heavy on the, the digestive system it's quite high in um, mct fat so it's very high in coconut fat and that's not always great for everybody's digestive system so just be mindful of that but it could be good um, i know a lot of athletes that use it in races in order to keep their energy levels up and that's um that would be a, it is a good option from that point of view um how do you know if you're overtraining in lockdown chris over to you we, we just talk, I think the uh, is obviously is, is, there's obviously um, physical physical things you've got to be aware of is you know that things are like you know fatigue and uh, all, all those are things but I think in terms of your training what you're currently what you're doing pre-COVID to now what you're doing post-COVID or during COVID so should I say so I think you know making sure just looking at what you were doing pro, pro, pro before this you know, have you increased the frequency? Are you doing more sessions now? Is your training volume increased? Um, it's what I think you, Alex, Alexia, you mentioned the home workouts are a completely new style. Yeah, but still, there's there's still a hell of a lot of stimulus there. You know, even if you're just using body weight and bands or simple free weight, it's still going to be accumulating a lot of work. And if the frequency is higher than more and more volume, 
then the intensity is probably going to be higher as well because you're trying to create more stimulus by doing more reps potentially. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a massive factor right now. And we're seven, eight weeks into it. And, you know, some people can have been getting by and probably been okay and they're feeling okay for it. But give, us, give it another month. You know, is it, are we going to catastrophize? You know, are we going to see a drop off in a lot of people? We don't know. And we want to come out of this healthy. So I, I would say um, things to think about is how much were you doing prior to this compared to what you're doing now? Um, and then look at other, those other factors. And what, what other factors would you consider, like physical uh, factors, would you think about, um, Rini? Like, I think, from my point of view, I think the biggest thing you have to ask yourself is, do you do you want to do the workout or do you feel you need to do the workout? That's usually a good indicator of whether you're overtraining or not. Because if you feel you need to do it, then um, that would be a sign that probably you don't. Um, you know, like I think it's very very easy to um, to get stuck in that. Particularly at the moment, we we'll again go back to social media with everybody posting workouts left, right, and centre. People you know talking about what they're doing all the time um, and it can be very hard i think it's hard enough at the best of times that whole social comparison but when we're in the situation we're in right now it's it's really really difficult so just be mindful of that like i said i think on the on the podcast last week even um i've muted a lot of people i've even muted some of my friends which sounds awful but i've had to because i cannot cope with the constant i've just done 15 miles i've just done this i've just done because Actually, I, I haven't got the capacity to do that at the moment with work and, um, and everything else that's going on. So I think that's really important. The other thing is, obviously, if you're not recovering between sessions, that's usually a sign that like you're quite achy um, and you're not recovering between sessions. That could be a sign that there's a problem. Um, Alexia, Alexia, do me a favour. If you want to, just send me what you were doing prior to this and then send me what you're doing now and I'll give you a pretty quick answer probably. So if you're... You know, and if if it says something like three days a week prior to this, and now you're doing five days a week, then you know. So you know, just just feel free to just do a screenshot of on a bit of paper of what you're doing prior, before and and now, and then and then in terms of physiologically, yeah, I mean, there's a number of variables, but um, you'll you'll, you'll know. Um, really, do you just want to screen through a few of those just to see where they want? Yeah, to I've just them? been going through. So a lot of people agreeing with me about vegan diets, which is um, great. And yes, soya protein is very very good. Um, uh, somebody asking if they've just started eating some seafish and stuff, would that be enough? Um, I mean, I'm not anti-vegan diets. Can I just say that? I'm not anti-vegan. I'm not anti-vegetarian. I'm not anti-anything. I'm just saying it's just, you have, like Chris said right at the beginning, you have to be really, really mindful of the fact that it's very easy to, um, to overcompensate with... Um, with um it's very easy to overcompensate with um vegetables and fruit so so yeah it's so yeah if you're adding some shellfish and you're enjoying it that's great it's also going to give you some additional protein and additional vitamins and minerals that are really important for you so yeah very good um uh what else have we got here um ash you want to go and um yeah yeah that's a really good question like how do you maintain your period once you've got it um can we say like i wonder we talked about this just before we came on came on live we talked about how a lot of look you know our goal is to obviously get, you know, get our periods back um you know that's our primary kind of health goal you know for a lot of us is to kind of get that but then we've we achieved that and then we kind of the mindset flips back into okay let's get back into training again and we kind of almost send ourselves back over the edge kind of back down towards and it's managing that that mindset about how to how to kind of manage that now because um in all honesty polly wants to get back into training she wants to get full back you know she wants to get back into marathon training like she's constantly talking about it but we're now matching at the moment we're managing that kind of you know, we've got her up to this great point now and when she wants to dip off so um it's not an easy thing i don't think once you achieve your goal which a lot of us are striving towards but then once you get there are you healthy for life then or you know like and being able to manage that and maintain that it's it's going to be a, a new set of skills isn't it yeah i mean it's an interesting it's a really good question and your body is incredibly sensitive like i said in that first year of getting your period back um and i think it's really important to understand that like that first year is quite critical because the body 
is going to pick up on all the stresses that it that it might occur, whether that's physical strength, stress or, or mental stress. Um, so the, the, the key things are obviously definitely understanding where you went wrong. And I know in, in Polly's case, a lot of it was around her fueling, like she she was overtraining, but she was very, very much under fueling. So I'm very, very confident with, with Polly that if we work around her fueling for the training she wants to do, um, there will be no issue with regards to her menstrual cycle. Um, so that's that's one thing to do. In, our, in answer to your specific question, Tash, should you be, could you incorporate more harder sessions? Um, I would say I generally tend to tell people to wait until they've had at least three to four consistent periods before you start increasing the intensity of anything. And if you do, then actually it needs to be quite short little bursts. So it might be that within, if you're a runner within that run, you may start with just doing a little bit like 10 minutes of a tempo in the middle of a normal run. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily go out and do a really hard session immediately because that's not going to work for you. So it's it's managing um, it's managing that load and trying to you know I've had some people who they've got their periods back they've done a bit more they then email me going oh, I've missed a period this month and I'm like okay well don't stress about it like you know why and you know that it will come back as long as you so they've pulled back a little bit they've waited a few more months and then they've increased a bit slower so I think it is trial and error. And, and everybody's a little bit, everybody's a bit different. Um, but yeah, you do need to, to watch it. I mean, from my point of view, I got my period back eight years after my eating disorder. And I've pretty much, well, I have, I've had a period every single month since then, apart from two pregnancies. Um, that said, the one time I didn't was actually my very, very first time I went to Nepal. Um, and um, by going to Nepal, I obviously overexerted and I was actually quite sick. And basically that imbalance was enough for me to skip just one. But by the time I got back and got sorted, it was back to normal. So the body does respond. It's just, you have to be mindful. And I think the fact is, if you've been here before, as in you know that, you know, the cause prior to your eating issues, then um, it's about, uh, kind of knowing that, okay, I've probably underfilled this month or I've probably done a bit too much and then you can you can rebalance that. Tash, I'm just going to jump in there just to finish off. So in terms of like incorporating anything back into things, like again, going from my experience is that I'd be saying structure it, have a program, like, you know, know what you're doing so that when you do increase, you know, increase in variables, so increase maybe. So if you start off with one high intensity chest in a week, which is you know, a minimal dose alongside maybe a couple of other run, you know, running sessions or strength sessions. Then over the weeks, you kind of slowly increase that. But then if you suddenly do lose, you know, lose a period, you can look back and go, okay, what, where did I make those changes? What variable did I change? Do you know that like you, you kind of, you you can constantly look back and go, because if you change too much of your weeks are always ever changing, you're changing too many variables. You don't know what kind of could have affected that. So you know, really had a very clear idea what changed because obviously she went, she went to a different country and different altitude, et cetera. But in terms of your lifestyle when introducing that type of new intensity or more intensity back into your into your training world then just have a program that you could look back on reflect on and be whether you reflect on yourself or with a coach you'll, you'll probably quite clearly see what you did to then obviously shift yourself back over so in that kind of highly sensitive time when you know potentially in that in that first 12 months then just kind of but make sure you're kind of you're aware of what you're doing and you're not kind of doing it emotionally kind of have a have more of a structure to it not like a don't restrict yourself but just have a bit more of an idea of what you're following week to week so then you allows you to then look back and go okay i maybe i ran to that a bit too quickly there or i did 10 percent, 15 20 30 percent more than usual last week or the last month etc so yeah just allows you to have a bit more it makes it easy to reflect on um this is a really nice question um what are your favorite types of workout places to run um in one of your podcasts you spoke about mixing up in lockdown having some fun what have you guys been doing uh okay well my favorite place to run over the mountains which i can't do right now so that's been quite frustrating um 
That said, I have got um, a Sunto 9, which is great because you can basically use the app and you can um, basically plot a route, somewhere completely new, and it then gives you navigation. So I have been trying to explore new places. Sometimes I've ended up in people's gardens, which is not great. Um, but it's been quite fun to kind of explore new places. Bailey loves it because um, usually he enters the garden and I'm stood the other side of the wall shouting at him to come back and he's looking at me very disobediently saying I'm not coming back. So uh, we've had lots of fun. Um, I really like dancing. If I can't do anything else, I'll just dance around the kitchen. I put on some, usually something like Missy Elliott and just prance around the kitchen. Um, best not to look through my kitchen window when I'm doing that, but yeah, that's kind of what I tend to do. Um, I've, I've, Chris and I have carried on doing um, our online PT sessions, and I've really enjoyed them, even though they've been very different to what um, we normally do in the gym. I think it's been quite nice being quite innovative, um, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Yeah, no, I've, I've rediscovered bodyweight training. That's for sure. Like uh, as in, I uh, home home training and obviously taking you know, a lot of my all my uh, members and all my clients and just kind of rediscovering the uh, how effective you can how much fun you can actually have with body, just body weight training again. And so it's been it's been good. And I think with me and you, Rini, we've been doing some little. Um, we've been sticking to like a lot of the um, like primary strength exercises that we always look into challenge you know to work on, um, and then we're just throwing in a little bit of that a uh, little bit of high intensity kind of ten minute work at the end of a session just just to kind of for entertainment value because there's so much when it comes well, to training like chris's you. entertainment not mine let's just say not my entertainment in any form or manner but chris enjoys watching me make a fool of myself yes no i don't think so no <laughs> I think I think that's important to know as well. Obviously, that's the important thing about training. It should be entertaining. You know, you want that mix of, you know, structured work, but then also that level of entertainment. And it's that kind of a good program should always have those elements in it. So I always we always try to make sure that's it's kind of you know it's it's interesting and it got a little bit spicy where it, where it needs to be. But we're also still getting that real uh, that, that solid strength work in there. Um, and we really it's always going to be single leg work and glute work and core work because it's and all different you know making sure that she's progressing over time and um so yeah i think with reen especially that moment you know this whole zoom world we're living in it's making sure that this relationship kind of is still fun and engaging and there's good banter there still so i think it's super important at the moment with training to make it keep it light but a lot of us like like, like to still be focused on getting results and so it's that kind of mix it's nice it's nice to have that mix i think yeah definitely um Yes, Ella is now much better. Thank you very much. Um, she, she is now back to being a typical teenager, driving me slightly insane. Um, and I can't wait for her to go back to school, is basically where I'm at right now with my teenage daughter. But yes, she, she is feeling much better, so thank you. It was very stressful, but all good, all good. Um, so... We might be good, Rune, I think. You're about... Yeah, so... Um, Again, with you know, thank you so much for joining us. We have, um, we obviously love hearing from you all, um, and you know, we're going to keep the obviously keep the podcast going because some of you seem to enjoy it, and we get loads of lovely messages every week, and I really appreciate them. And so does Chris. It's just really, really nice. Um, so, yeah, we'll probably do another one of these in a few weeks' time. I think we're going to try and aim to do one every sort of three weeks ish, three to four weeks, depending on. Um, uh, on, on, on our situation which we'll know more about on Sunday but fingers crossed we can you know still do these and um, yeah just thank you for your time and have a really lovely long weekend enjoy guys speak to you soon guys eh? take care bye bye guys